0: So before we get started, I want to tell you about the best thing that has happened to the podcasting world, and that is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You can go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. You can even find it on the App Store of any iPhone or Android. The app is called Anchor. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.
1: Why don't you hit us with that intro again <laughs> all right so we are back with another episode of detox America podcast with Carlos Ramirez part two of Where's raised that's right raised in the u.s <laughs> deported to Mexico so the last uh, place that we had left off with was you were in the in the process of being deported you had been transported over the border dropped off right. And intercepted by a cartel. The cartel? Right. Is it just one? I'm sure there's many.
2: There's yeah. Um, so so the, in, in that particular area, uh, I'm not going to get into two specifics just because it, uh, it is a you know it's a safety issue. Yeah, yeah, right?
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I um, should have thought about that.
2: Uh, in that particular area, uh, it is controlled. Uh, it's. In my understanding, that uh, that's the most dangerous area in Mexico. Uh, so, the state of Texas, uh, the state of Texas has two points where they they drop people off, uh, deportees. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's uh, the border cities of Juarez and El Paso, and then. Uh, no, no, no! I'm tripping. Uh, there's there's actually uh, quite a few points that they drop off. Um, but the, one, the, like, the two biggest ones are going to be Juarez and El Paso, and uh, Laredo and Nuevo Laredo, uh, which is like in the valley area of Texas, the, the very, very peak. Um, so, um, I got dropped off in Laredo. Um, they Basically, like, they, they strapped me up to a bus. Um, it was like a 16-hour drive because we like, had a bunch of stops picking up people from other facilities and stuff. And um, uh, mind you, uh, I I had the mumps uh, contracted. Uh, there right, was some, right. uh, there was like three Cubans that came in to the facility, and um, they uh, they basically infected, infected everybody. everybody in there. Yeah. So uh, the week that I was actually supposed to be leaving, uh, I was the only one in my in my unit that caught the mumps, and so they isolated me in uh, in a tank, uh, like a medical tank, by myself, um, where I, I spent a week uh, not being able to use the phone, mail, all of that good stuff. Um, I went to court, uh, and I signed the deportation papers. Um, they, they strapped me to a bus. Uh, they put a mask on me. Uh, they told me that if I was to remove my mask at any time while I was on, on the trip, uh, they would hit me with some pretty mean charges. Mm -hmm. So, um, eating was kind of a pain. And, um, when I got off the bus, man, I had like a huge mark because of the mask and stuff. It was hard to breathe. And
1: what kind um, of mask did, was it? Like, kind of describe that a little bit.
2: Uh, it's I don't know exactly what they call. I think it's like an M something or what whatnot. Um, the the really like big ones, the um, um, the ones that we're supposed to be using for COVID, actually. Oh, the N ninety
1: five.
2: Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I'm not uh, familiar was with. that. Is that the, the name, little box
1: on there? A little box on the mask.
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 No so. About. Um, anyway, so uh, I had like a huge mark from that. Uh, they gave me like some antibiotics. Uh, I'm not sure if that has anything to do with um, with the mumps uh, curing it or whatever. Um, but they gave me those. Um, they, they put them with my with my property and uh, they they took me to the border. Getting getting to the border, we were like met by like this. Uh, I guess it was like border patrol or something, and they just kind of quick uh, quickly briefed us. They're like, "You're gonna walk across this bridge. They're gonna receive you on the other end. Uh, and once you get there, they'll tell you um, they'll tell you where to go, uh, as far as like, um, you know, kind of getting you started. Uh, but we suggest that you don't leave the building because uh, you are in a really dangerous area. So you know, just stand there and wait for instructions. Um, now, once once we crossed that bridge, um, it was night and day. Like, it was, um, it it was really like welcoming process. Like, um, the United States was pretty much, you know, trying to just shove you out of there. All right, go ahead and go. Um, and the people on the other side were extremely helpful, really friendly. Um, you know, um, we, we got there and immediately where people were like, Hey, look, there's, there's food here. Um, the bathrooms are over here. Uh, if you need to exchange money, um, Try not talking to those people, you know, wait until you get inside the building and such. And um, so we go inside the building and there's like all kinds of like government officials there, uh, people that are working inside the building. Um, And they're like, if you need to use the phones, the phones are right here. Um, Dial 001 to get out of the country or whatever. If you need to call the states, Uh, if you need to call uh, whatever, just make sure that um, you use the right state code. Um, you're gonna get in this line for this thing or whatever they they briefed us pretty good pretty much Uh, they gave us like a sack lunch uh, and then um, they they were really helpful um, once we got there because they uh, they helped us get like IDs um, and like a temporary like they were like paper IDs but it, it pretty much like if you know if we were to get stopped on the way to where we were going um, they would be valid for their. Hey, you know, I just got deported. We just, oh, we just got in the country. We don't have any documentation um, or any IDs. Uh, we're working to get that. So um, those those papers were really good for um, when we went to the certain offices in our, uh, our certain states where, we're, where we were going. Um, it, it's kind of a pain in the butt to get, um, you know, like a license or an ID or something like that. Um, so those papers would, uh, would help in that process. Uh, it's some kind of like, uh, identification saying that, you know, Hey, we just got here and stuff. So, um, cause the process is a little bit different. I think particularly for me, uh, in my state, I needed like two witnesses to go with me saying that I am who I am. Uh, I had that paper with me, uh, and then where I was going to be staying and such. But, um, you know, they gave us all that. They gave us a bunch of information, um, they basically briefed us really quick. They're like, look, you were in a super, super dangerous part of Mexico. Uh, we suggest, um, there There was like this like immigration house um, for, I guess, new coming deportees. Uh, they they tried to recommend us getting a ride before, if, if it's before five o'clock, um, you know, and, and you got somebody coming for you, then then good. But you know, if it's after five o'clock, we, uh, and you know they're not gonna be here in time, we recommend you go to the immigration house because it, it's, it gets pretty dangerous. Um, and they didn't really want to get into too many specifics. Um, but, you know, I started to get scared a little bit.
0: So did your dad get there before? Me,
2: yeah, thankfully for me, my, my, my people were already on the way. They were kind of on top of everything. And so um, my dad and my uncle uh, were coming to, because they didn't, they didn't really have too much information uh, just because the, um, the facility wasn't allowed to like, be like, oh yeah, he's leaving at this time or whatever, uh, because it's a safety issue for them as well. Um, so they couldn't tell him much. Um, they could only tell them that, look, the main, the two main drop off points are in Juarez or in Laredo. And my dad's like, well, that doesn't help because they're about like 10 hours away from each other. So, you know, if I go to right. one and he's at the other, you know, what's he gonna do? So, right. um, so, you know, my, my sister was pretty cool. She took the day off and she started heading towards El Paso while my dad and my uncle were uh, heading south towards uh, the Laredo facility. And um, thankfully, I was at Laredo uh, when my dad got there. And I, I could already, like, see the, like, the change in demeanor. My, my dad's a pretty calm guy. He's a pretty confident, calm guy. Um, he always, like, t- is, is really respectful when he talks to you with, like with patience, And, um, he, he'll always let you speak first before, you know, he says something, but when he, when he got there, he was like, you know, shut the door, lock the door, you know, windows up and stuff. And, uh, I had earrings on and, uh, he's like, take those out of your ear right now. Like immediately right now, we don't, we don't wear those here. Like take those off for right now. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I, I no normal stuff that I, I wasn't thinking, you know, was a big deal. And, um, He's like, uh, he's like, and you need to change shirts. And I was like, why do I need to change shirts? He's like, because they're going to know you're not from here. Like, yeah, you, you live you too shit. American.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so he's like, you need it. And so he gave me like a polo shirt or whatever. And so I changed and stuff. We went to the bus station, uh, like immediately we went to the bus station. Uh, cause my, my dad and my uncle had to get back to work in the States. And so he's like, yeah, we're, we're going to have to, uh, put you on a bus and you're going to have to go from, from here, the, the state that we were in was uh, called Tamaulipas, which is like the border state of like South Texas. The the following state is going to be, um, Nueva Leon, which is where one of the biggest cities in Mexico is called Monterrey. Uh, it's kind of like a really big Mexican hub. Yeah, the I three know. big ones I are going to be Monterrey, Guadalajara and Mexico city, which is like the three biggest, uh, most wealthiest states in, in our cities in Mexico. But, um, anyway, um, the entire state of Tamaulipas is pretty much controlled, uh, like narco territory. Um, and so, is that where got, you were, we to,
0: is that where you were passing through when you, cause you yeah, had to go, you, you have
2: to go through, you, you had to, to get to, to Guadalajara, Guadalajara you're, right? What's that? Your, or,
0: you were trying to get to Guadalajara.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So before Guadalajara, you know, we have to get on a bus to go to Monterrey, Uh, which is like a safe zone. Uh, Nueva León is like, they they haven't had uh, problems with cartels or anything. Uh, Their state government has been pretty good about, you know, their police and stuff. They've been, like, pushing them out and stuff. So uh, in the last decade or so, they've been really good about, you know, state-wise about that uh, that issue. Tamaulipas, however, um, is a completely, it's it's a narco-run state. So... Mm -hmm. um, once you're out of there, you know you're you're kind of in the clear. Uh, once you get to like Nuevo Leon, but uh, while you're in there, you're it's so controlled that they know everybody coming in, they know who's leaving, and so. Um, anyway, long story short, when I'm at the um, I'm at the bus station, I'm trying to get a bus to uh, Monterrey, so that I can take a bus to Guadalajara, then go to the smaller state where I'm from. Um, once we got to the station inside. I immediately were, uh, we're at the counter and three dudes come up on me and my dad and they just kind of interrupt my dad talking to the lady um, on the computer and he was like, excuse me, um, where's he going? And so my dad didn't really understand him and he like, he, he didn't really hear him because he was mid-sentence with the lady and he was just like, oh no, 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 I'm, I'm okay here. He thought that maybe the guy was like trying to sell him like a ticket, you know, to go to Mon- Monterrey or something like that. So my dad's like, no, I'm, I'm good here or whatever. He's like... Hey, excuse. Let's try this again. Um, You know, we're going to talk to you with respect and everything, uh, but we need you to understand there's a control here, so we need to know everybody coming in and coming out. Uh, So I'm going to ask you again: is is the kid um, is he deported? Um, So in in my dad's head, it wasn't really clicking. You know, like hey, this dude is you know like serious business, Um, and he was like wait, why? You know? And, um, the guy's like, look, I'm going to tell you again. And he repeated what he said. And he's like, look, I got, I got two dudes standing right there. Why don't, why don't you come over here and talk to us real quick? Uh, and you know, immediately my dad's like pale in the face. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, all the stuff that they were telling me in, in the facility that when I first arrived, they, they weren't kidding. Um, so I walked over with my dad just to make sure my dad was okay. And I heard the things they were telling them, uh, I guess the, the, the leader of whoever, uh, they were started talking to my dad. He's like, you know, like he told you, you know, we don't mean to be, you know, assholes or anything, but there's there's a control here, and we need to know who's coming in and out. Um, you, your son's deported, right? And he's like, yeah, he just he just got here, and they're like, okay, well, where's he going? And he's like, well, he's he's going to Guadalajara. Uh, now, at the time, we didn't realize that, you know, the kind of the big issue that was saying where I was going um because that particular cartel is fighting with guadalajara's cartel and so you know they you never know so they immediately got on the phone with with their boss or their higher up or whatever did they think he that was like, hey so did they think that, that? y'all
0: did they think that you possibly do you think that they thought maybe y'all had we some ties with the cartels in guadalajara you, you never know right so
2: I, I mean all they know is that i'm going to guadalajara again.
0: and that might have been so what we, they were we calling. It might have been what they were calling their higher ups for just to be like they're going to Guadalajara you think they yeah. might be a part of
2: who They're going to have to check us for sure right. you know, cuz you, you you never know who's coming through All right. um and especially me saying that I'm going to Guadalajara that you know that could be like a security issue for them it's some so, red flags right for right them so man it's really coming out hard um so once he got on the phone, he, you know, they, they pretty much asked us everything. How old are you? Where are you guys coming from? And so and so. Um, so he's telling me, hey, the, the kid's 26 years old or he's 25 years old. Um, you know, The dad and the uncle are citizens of the U.S. Uh, and he's like, well, go ahead and let them go and um, take the kid. And uh, well, they got us into We We were in the truck when we were having this conversation with their higher ups um me and my uncle my dad they got us into the truck and then um when he was on the phone he's like well let them go and uh, and and keep him and just take him and um i guess they didn't want to get into any trouble with you know like american citizens and s- stuff like that uh, cuz then uh it's it's the us's issue after that i i think i think that's how it works i'm not too sure but um my dad immediately was like, wait, hang on. Uh, I, I need you to call him back because I need to take him. So, you know, what, what do we need to do here? How, you know, how much do you guys want? Uh, because I, I need to take my son. And they were like, well, well, let me call and see what we can do or whatever. Um, but I don't think he's going to want to let him go. So they, they called and he was like, okay, well, you said they're, they're both citizens. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's brand new to Mexico. He's never been to Mexico. And he was like, no, he's never set foot in Mexico. Well, tell them to give us ten grand and and we'll let them go. No, no big deal. And my dad's like, okay. Well, you can can you take us to like a, an ATM or something and you know I'll get the money for you. And so they took us to an ATM. He got ten thousand. That's that's pesos, not dollars. Yeah, but um, still, but, I mean, you know, we well, how much? Uh, how much is we, that in U.S. dollars? Uh, it's gonna be roughly so like it, the dollar is about twenty pesos, give or take a few. It fluctuates every now and then, just depending on the economy and such. So multiply that by twenty um or i'm sorry divide that by 20 and that's how much um dollars it was okay so what about 500 bucks
0: yeah something
2: like that Yeah. so um so we paid them the money uh they let me go they're like hey you know if they if they stop you further down the road because they probably are going to stop you again um just let them know that so-and-so stopped you and um and we checked you and you're good or whatever they'll probably do like a quick phone call i'll verify and And you're good to go. My dad was so paranoid that we ended up checking into a hotel that night. um, Which, while we were in the hotel, we were thinking, you know, if everything is controlled as they say they are, then you know we're probably not even safe here. You know, and my dad isn't. He was in a pretty big pickup truck, so he was just more afraid that they were going to like take the truck too because, you know, we're um, we're just not in a safe area. So, So my dad was up hasting the hotel all all uh, night.
0: To paint a picture for the audience, were these cartel members? Were they armed?
2: We we don't really know. If, okay. if they were, we we, uh, we not But it's just best you not to. Aware. You know. Right. Um. So my dad's up pacing the entire night. Um, I'm I'm fading in and out of sleep because you know I'm paranoid too. And then um, you know, come morning time, we we woke up pretty early. We had breakfast and and we booked it out of there. Um. Now, mind you, the next day was was my birthday, Um, so my my dad's like, you know, there's no way that I'm gonna put him on a bus again. I just I can't do it. Uh, He was talking to my uncle, and he was like, we're gonna have to take him to Guadalajara, which is quite a way. It's quite a drive. Uh, It was probably like 23 some odd hours, like that. Wow. So, um, we spent my whole entire birthday driving from the border to Guadalajara, uh, and then from there. come down to the state to where, uh, where I am, which is about another three to five hours, depending on the road. Um, so we spent the entire time driving through Mexico. Uh, and then there were some parts where my dad was like, hey, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's tough here too. So, you know, windows up, lock the door. Uh, but then other parts was kind of pretty relaxed and chill. So, so it just
0: you, really depends. So you got where you needed to go, there was no other run-ins or anything? No. Okay, so um, now like, from here on like we we, we've we understand uh you know you being raised in america uh you know what happened with your deportation how all that went down and now kind of like for this uh little part two segment um yeah really just kind of want to know uh like what are you doing now like how have you adjusted uh, what's life like for you now? Um, we know you're, you're, you want to come back to America. Um, and I'm sure you're you're working towards that. Um, but kind of just, how have you adjusted to life there in Mexico?
2: Right. So, uh, when I first got here, you know, I was pretty anxious trying to find different ways to come back, uh, looking into like legal issues and, um, just trying to figure out what exactly I'm going to be dealing with, uh, for the next however long. Um, Talking to different friends who have connections, lawyers, stuff like that, uh, and then um, you know, worst case scenario, if I if I can't come back legally, trying to find another way to come back. Um, I, I was really anxious and like uh, pretty desperate to come back uh, because uh, at the time I was in a really serious relationship. Um, you know, her being back in the states and uh, us trying you know, being in the middle of, like, trying to move to the next process, you know, thinking about marriage and stuff like that, uh, we were pretty serious, and so, um, I was really anxious to find any, any which way to come back, um, my parents here are like, hey, you know, like, you, you need to relax, you know, because you're not, you're not gonna do it in the next couple of months, so, uh, I know you're really, like, anxious to get back home, but, like kind your blessings look, look yeah, where you're at like it's look gonna, at everything
0: that just happened it's gonna be a kind of a drawn out process either no matter what there's no forcing it it's it's gonna be a drawn out process and it was just you were yeah. fresh there and you just wanted to be better. frustrated and I missed yeah. my girlfriend and, right
1: and, uh, you, what ended uh, up happening back like, sorry what, that? what ended up happening with her like are y'all are y'all still talking are y'all still talking about like if, nah if actually came... this
2: week it'll be an entire year since we've since we last spoken um it just got oh, too um it was it got it got too tough. Yeah. Um well, I, I don't really want to get into that. But right. yeah, gee, no, no, no. long story short, we, it didn't work out. Um and you know, a- after after the breakup, um I-, I guess you could say that I kind of calmed down. I wasn't uh, in such a rush to get back home after that anymore. Um I-, I got really depressed, I got into like this really, really funky state of mind. Um Probably about the month before... No, two months before uh, the breakup. uh, My childhood best friend ended up passing away. Mm. Um, And so I I went through, like, the biggest depression of my life. Yeah. Uh, You know, having everything taken away from me. My house, my car, you know, losing my job, all that. um, Losing my entire life from the United States. Being in a new country, trying to adjust how, um, you know, how things are done here. Uh, And then the pretty serious relationship that I was in. Uh, not working out. Uh, I got really, really depressed and um, just wasn't getting out of bed, wasn't eating, um, had the anxiety at night, the depression during the day and stuff, you know, uh, too tired to do anything, but you know, you slept all day, so you really can't sleep anymore, but you really wish you could because of the way you're feeling. It's just just not going away. And this was like Um, the
0: first, maybe what, like three, three, five, six months you were in Mexico.
2: The, probably I, I I'm gonna go ahead and say the first year.
0: Okay.
2: Um, I I hit my my year last March. Okay. Um,
0: and and the whole come, time you were kind of just spent in this like suspended animation of of reality where you were just hurt, confused, didn't know what to do from here on out, and had no real motivation or drive
2: to. Uh well, after the way it happened was um probably around april or may of last year um is is when uh well actually i'm gonna go ahead and say when i first got here probably around march um initially me and my girlfriend broke up uh we went probably about a month without talking to each other um in that time you know i was like well you know whatever i gotta do if i gotta get money to you know pay somebody to cross me illegally or whatever whatever it is that i have to do i'm gonna do it so uh through family here you know um they they helped me get started. They got me a job at a restaurant, uh, and I started working. Uh, and I started just saving up money um, from that first restaurant. Some uh, I guess word spread around town or something word of mouth. Um, word got around to the beaches that you know some some American kid uh, is working at a steakhouse here uh, in town, and he speaks perfect English. So um, this uh, this friend of mine who's a friend now. Came from uh, from the beach, into the town, into the bar area, and she came and talked to me. She's like, uh, she's like, hey, you know, uh, my friend, um, my friend said that she was talking to you here, and you spoke perfect English. Uh, she was talking to me in full English, so I was kind of surprised. And um, she was like this white girl, and uh, to me that was like baffling. I was like, wow, there's, are, are there more of you here? What, <laughs> what's, going, what's going on? Uh, Where's this group of people that I need to like, get well, in? She's like, I'm, I'm from, um, she's like, I'm from here. I'm, I, I live here and everything. And I was like, okay. And she's like, but. My, my dad's from Austria, uh, from Europe, and I was like, wow. And, you know, that was just kind of, like, mind-blowing and just kind of eye-opening, you know, that, like, I, I've been living so close-minded, like, I, you know, I'm thinking everybody here is, you know, from the area or whatever and stuff, and, and that just was not the case. When I got to the beach, uh, well, she was like, she's like, look, I'm, I'm not going to bullshit you. I came to offer you a job. We need somebody at, the, uh, at my hotel who speaks English, um, who, you know, has experience in the bar as a server, maybe. And I was like, I have all of that. Uh, obviously, I mean, you. I mean, I, I speak English fluently. So she's like, we get a lot of English speakers in um, at at my hotel. So, uh, it you know, if if you want, when when are you off? I'll come pick you up. We'll we'll take you to the beach. We'll show you the hotel, the the little resort that I'm at. And you know, you tell me if you if it's something that you want to do. We'll give you somewhere to stay. Uh, obviously, you know, because you live here. So we'll they have like um employee housing there. Uh, she's like, and we pay you weekly, uh, and the tips that you make are yours. Um, basically I got there and it, it was beautiful. It was right, literally right on top of the beach. Um, it was like a hotel. There was like a pool, um, a restaurant area that like led into the beach. And it was, it was just the most beautiful thing that I thought was like, wow, like what have I been doing there? You right. Know? Right.
0: So, kinda, so like things kind of started looking up at that yeah, point? Yeah. And so like you came out of this darkness into like this this new part of Mexico on the beach with the resort and you can make some well, money. Well,
2: my, my particular mindset was like, man, I'm going to make a lot more money here. Uh, great. Now my process is going to be sped up a little bit because I'm still in a rush to get home. Right. You know? mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking maybe if I can get back in time, you know, I can salvage with, you know, everything that I lost and stuff. And that, that was just my mindset at the time. Um, so. I was I've been working there probably about the high time. Uh, She she came in a really good time because uh, spring break for the United States was coming up, um, vacation time, and then um, the month after is Mexico spring break, uh, which is called Semana Santa. Uh, So everybody here, you know, that's an entire week their spring break. So the beach was packed, and you know the tips were good, and you know the money was good and stuff. Uh, Right around that time was. you know, my girlfriend had uh, reached out to me again. Uh, we apologized. We, we were kind of like more clear-headed. You know, I miss you and stuff like that. Um, you know, I started telling her about where I was at and stuff like that. And uh, things things started to see like, there there started to be like hope there, you know. We we planned a little vacation for me and her. She came down um, because I, I really, I said, you know what, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to leave Mexico without, you know, at least getting to know the place, you know. So, um Like I mentioned before, uh, I'm about an hour north of Puerto Vallarta, which is a really, really big tourist uh, spot Mm -hmm. in Mexico. Probably one of the biggest. Um, And um, I I wanted to go out there and and look and see maybe, you know, like maybe, you know, because I have experience here now and like hotel resorts and stuff like that, maybe I can transfer over here where there, you know, there's said to be more money and the tips would be better anyway. So Uh, me and my girlfriend, we took a week vacation. We went out, we stayed at a resort, um, you know, it was just really good to see her and stuff like that. We, we ironed out some stuff that we needed to talk about and uh, I just, I, I started to wrap my head around being in Puerto Vallarta and working. Um, after she went back home, you know, the fight started again, it started to get hard and stuff like that and um, at, at probably maybe around August, we just decided to call it a quits. We just couldn't do it anymore. Um, So then I got back into that uh, depressed state of mind. Um, The beat started to slow down where I was at. Uh, It was, I I didn't have any contacts in Puerto Vallarta at the time. So, you know, doors started to close on me. Um, My best friend passing away hit me really hard. And then uh, all that just kind of came crashing down. Probably around, I want to say it was like November, uh, no, probably a little bit after November, uh, just because, uh, me remembering, you know, the stuff that I, the stuff that I was doing the year before, you know, Thanksgiving, spending it at my friend's house, um, and then, um, you know, being with my girlfriend and stuff and here they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And so that, that hits me hard because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. So, um, you know, I wasn't celebrating that here and I was just seeing all my friends post and stuff. Um, probably around December when it started to pick up again, um, the, the, the beach is probably the most beautiful, it, it just... A little bit of advice, if you're ever thinking about visiting Mexico to go, like, on vacation or something, December is definitely the time to do it. All of the beaches here are beautiful, beautiful during December. The water is, is perfect temperature. Uh, and then um, the ambience and, and just all-around mood around here is just way better in December. So I, I, I highly, highly recommend uh, if you're ever mm. visiting Mexico, do it around December. Okay, And, um,
0: and Christmas is still popular there. Like, oh yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. So, christmas is a huge holiday here so
0: the the vibes are definitely different around christmas for yeah for but christmas. uh i
2: mean i mean so more uh like because of the beach uh the sand comes and blocks all all the rocks underneath and it's, it's just like a lot of like it's just a lot of beach you all know right. that you can go walking and and you know like actually getting in the water and stuff whereas like during the rainy season during like uh i want to say like july towards like the end of September, no, I'm sorry, the end of October, uh, November even, it's just a bunch of rocks and you can't really like walk on the beach right. and stuff and it's just impossible to get around. So, uh, But December, like all the sand comes back and stuff and, and the beach is beautiful, like prime beach time is December. Um, anyway, uh, so... I started working for my uncle back in town just because, um, I, I just, I couldn't be where I was anymore. Just the money wasn't good and stuff. So I came back into town started working at an event center, uh, where he would, uh, he gave me some of his contacts in Bayartha and, um, I started looking into like working out there and stuff. Um, you know, it was going really good here. I didn't feel the need. You know, I started to calm down. Uh, I started like meeting up with family who I, I'd never seen, but they'd remember me from when I was uh, I was a baby because my mom was in the pictures and stuff. And uh, you know, I, in in that time frame from like December till probably like around February was I just took some time off. You know, kind of like get to know some family and stuff, and just kind of like spend some time with my mom and stuff like that. Time that we'd missed because I hadn't seen my mom since she came back to Mexico in 2013 when, when I left the college. So it had been about five, six years since I'd seen my mom. So I took some time. I chilled. And um, around February, was like, you know what? Like, you know, I took enough time off. Uh, it's time to get back to work because um, now I'm not doing it, you know, in a to get back to my girlfriend or my ex-girlfriend or, you know, back to the life I had. It's just me taking care of that situation, you know, uh, me getting in that mindset like, you know, I got to do it for me because nobody else is going to want it for me but me. Right. So uh, I need – to get control of my life back. Um, so I, I took a trip out to Vallarta. Um I put my resume, uh, I touched up my resume uh, and I, I put it out to a bunch of different resorts and places. I got an interview to probably about 10 resorts, so I had to space them out. Uh, I was, for two days straight, I was like um, trying to learn, uh, trying to learn bus routes, trying to learn where everything is and like all, all taking all that information in as much as I could. Um, while going to these interviews and, and just, like, nailing every single interview, uh, every single place called me back and was like, when can you start and stuff. So I had to be honest with them, like, hey, you know, like, I put my resume out to a bunch of different places and they've all called me back. So I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to weigh out my options. They kind of got offended, but, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is.
0: Yeah.
2: And um, I ended up uh, deciding on staying at the Hilton. Um, just they, as far as, like, pay, taking care of their uh, employees. And for me, talking a little bit to, like – Because everywhere I went, I I made sure to talk to, you know, like, the employees there. You know, like, hey, how do you like it? Have you worked at different places? Such and such. And, you know, they were pretty much telling me the same thing. Like, in in this particular area that you're at, um, it's probably, like, the peak of, like, tourism. uh, Where everybody just kind of, like, when they first come in, this is where they see and this is where they want to go. So, you're in a pretty good area and they pay you pretty good. So, plus benefits and stuff like that. I was really surprised how, like, how night and day different was. Um, Night and day was... From where i was working at the little resort to like what they were offering me here in puerto vallarta so uh i ended up deciding at the hilton um right around that time while i was in vallarta was like the very very beginning of um the covid crisis oh man so they were like um yeah go ahead and bring in your stuff you know like uh your ids and, and all that good stuff you know to, to get me hired on i went back home i packed uh and i came back to my uh right around my birthday actually i spent my i spent my birthday in Vallarta. um the next morning i went to go turn in my ids and all that stuff and they were like hey you know like this is really embarrassing but we we just can't offer you. Uh, they they closed our uh, our, vacancies, our vacancies here, and uh, we you know we just can't we can't give you the job because we're only working with ten percent of our staff now. So sorry, you know we you, you mm. know it's really embarrassing, but we can't give you the job. Mm. Um, so I was I my mindset was like you know no big deal. I got ten other places that are hiring me. You know it's, it's all the same. Something. It's the mm. same situation
0: for all of them. Every too. single
2: yeah. place that I went to was the exact same. I I was going to other hotels, applying at different places. And my mindset was like, you know what, just find something. And then, you know, the hotels are telling me no. And I'm like, I'm I'm looking at this situation like, you know, I'm not going to find any hotel that's going to hire me right now just because of the COVID crisis. Let me see if I can find maybe some restaurants or something. Or everywhere, everywhere that I went was telling me no. I just, I couldn't Mm. do it. Uh, I spent probably about a week uh, looking for anything. And, um... I finally called it a quits and I was like, I, yeah, there's, there's just no way I got to go back home before it gets really serious, you know? And, um, so I went back home. I spent COVID over here, uh, the beginning of COVID over here. My dad came back from the States just because everything was shutting down in the States and we were like in full quarantine lockdown. Um, just from that particular time, uh, I, I, I tried to like look at it more positive, okay, maybe it's just you know maybe it's just more time that I get to spend with my family um uh maybe I can touch on my resume, maybe I can like start you know making friends contacts somewhere else, uh maybe like a a better tourist area or you know maybe it's it maybe it's time that I start focusing on something else and maybe buckle down and go to school here or something you know like i'm I'm weighing my options um
0: there's always opportunity point, you know. I don't know about work online, but I mean, you can definitely go to school online and, and you could you could find some way to make money online for sure. But yeah,
2: that's that's pretty much what everybody's doing here. Right. Um, so from the start of COVID to now, uh, I've just, I've been kind of trying to weigh my options. I've been working out when I can. Uh, I've just been looking at things a lot differently. M- my mindset has shifted from, you know, being in a rush to get back home, being anxious to get back home to like taking a step back looking at all the options, really digging into like, you know, my, my case, my particular case, what I'm able to do about it. And, you know, the steps that I can calmly take to get there. Um, and then in the meantime, just seeing, you know, how I can make money because I, I, I'd really like to travel and get to know as much of Mexico as possible, but not just Mexico, because when I was in the United States, I wasn't allowed to travel either. So, you know, maybe go visit some other countries and, you kind of see the world a little bit and in in that mental process um i really like honed in on like what i'm passionate about and like the things that i like to do um i started looking at travel vlogs and uh people like who are who really do the traveling thing go to like different parts of the world and stuff and um i kind of got inspired and maybe thinking about starting my own like youtube channel or something like that where you know i travel and like and you kind of um,
0: just spend, you know, spend a week or two in different countries, and you know, experience, uh, you know, the culture in different countries. That'd be awesome, and and just
2: kind of right. Get... My my gimmick behind that is, um, because you know, everybody has their own little signature thing, you know, like th- that they do when they go to certain countries and stuff. I think my gimmick would be, you know, because you know, I'm not well off, uh, and I I don't make a lot of money. It would probably just be money that I have saved up and stuff. Um, if you're somebody like me who, you know, who, who loves adventure, but, you know, is balling on a budget when you're going to these countries, um, kind of making a vlog towards, like, the things that you can do, you know, like, hey, these places are really cheap or, you know, right. like, if you're on a budget, like, I recommend you doing this, this and this, you know, if you don't have a lot of money, but you still want to go and travel and stuff. And so that 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 would kind of be my gimmick. And kind of
0: give tips on how how to do that, like, in different say, countries, like, on, right. how, how you can make a little bit of money here and there when you're traveling in other countries. Cause
2: uh, I don't, I don't know about that. I, because I, I wouldn't be knowledgeable in that area, like how to make money while I'm in those countries. Yeah. But uh, just more so that like what my particular budget is. Uh, and if I'm not trying to spend a lot, uh, little things that I can do while I'm traveling and stuff, you know, like be prepared uh, to kind of rough it.
0: Yeah. And uh,
2: thing at like capsule hotels and stuff like that.
0: You, uh you had mentioned that you also like you're, Super passionate about music as well. And so maybe you could tie that into to travel, you know, like exactly. the, the music scene in different countries and, and different cultures and, uh, you know, their passion. That, that's, lit- well. that's
2: literally the goal. Like, yeah. if, I, if I were to travel, most of the time would probably be to maybe like some music festival or something like that. Right. Um, But even deeper than that, you know, like in my videos, uh, you know, like I make the music for my videos, you know, I, I do all the editing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that. I mean that that's something that like I would be really passionate it would it would keep my attention and um but I'm like, do you see what I'm getting at like my yeah. my mindset from like being in a rush to get back home to to be it's now it's it's just it's it's, it's kind of like different because I've kind of like gotten adjusted here now and yeah i've I've seen what i could do
0: and and even even you know kind of you might even discover now that you might be one of those people who don't have a home like the world is your home like you, you like exactly you know like if you want to travel you you don't see borders you don't you don't feel like you know borders to me make no fucking sense they're, they're retarded uh but or right. i should probably not use that word being uh politically <laughs> correct and all but um it's 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 stupid um yeah. and so like you're a citizen of the world and that could just be you know what you you know, you, you might have found like a new love and passion for even just going to Mexico and seeing because you never stepped foot in Mexico. And so seeing, right. seeing the world and culture in a new light, it might have been a blessing in disguise.
1: I am curious. Um, now, say let's rewind a little bit and say that things did go well with the the marriage with the ex-girlfriend so in that case, just based on off the top of your head, you know, I don't, I don't need you to like Google or anything. Yeah. But as far as you know, if you guys did end up getting married, would that nullify the deportation?
2: It doesn't exactly nullify. <laughs> it, it's a process. So, basically, for my particular case, um, it's looking like the only way that I could come back would be through um, a CR1, which is a spouse visa. Um, so for my for my process, because you know I, I did get in trouble with the law, and I, technically I left on probation, um, and they gave me the ten year ban. I, I would need a pardon, which is like a waiver to like get rid of the ten year ban. If in, in the, that particular case it gets approved, because um, there is a chance that it doesn't, um, then we would have to file for a spouse visa. Uh, and then you know if if our spouse visa gets approved, then, uh, then I come back, I continue my probation. Uh, you know we're married. And um, I, I think because I'm there on a visa, like, after two years, I'll get my residency. And then, you know, the process there into citizenship. Um, now that I'm married to a citizen, now I can apply for my citizenship and, and such and such.
1: Okay, so you, you don't get to, like... It's not like when the ring is put on the finger, you're no, automatically on the road to citizenship. Yeah, no, 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 no,
2: no.
0: So what, so, if, so, uh, so, what if that happened before deportation? What if, like, while you were still in America, y'all got married? Would, would um, that...
2: There are there are a lot of cases that uh, it, it would have stopped my deportation yes okay. um, you're married to a citizen e- even with the charges that I had uh, with what I was facing before the deportation yes if I would have got married I could have been married in the facility um, mm. now it, it but has y'all fumbled, stopped,
0: but that that whole situation you kind of fumbled a bit and it didn't happen right
2: uh, we we tried when, when I was in county uh, she gave my lawyers the papers um, some something got messed up uh, I, I don't I think it was like she didn't put my middle name right. on the on like the, the actual like certificate or whatever, um, so uh, it didn't go through or something like that. Um, but I signed in the courtroom, so technically, like uh, my lawyer was like, because you're in the courtroom and you both are signing, um, it, it's a valid marriage. So that that uh, I don't want to say that stops your deportation; um, it stops the the process however if you if you've already signed for your deportation that that doesn't stop your removal uh right, okay. being married that you your marriage has to be like approved uh and whatnot but before you sign
1: but continuing on the but i had plenty
2: of time yes i had plenty of time to stop i just didn't know at the time well uh, but we did try Well, what I was going to ask is
1: like, so say hypothetically you got fully deported, but then finally after months of chaos, a hypothetical girlfriend comes down to visit you and then you guys, I guess, get married down here and then try to go back. Would you face the risk of like, I don't know, double deportation? Would they try to detain you? Like, I'm curious about what the circumstances are, if that was the best case scenario or, okay, if, if that so, was a scenario that played out but
2: you're already not so, allowed let me, let me see if I under, let me see if I understand your question uh okay so I meet somebody we get married you know well, she comes down we get married uh and then we file for for everything no no no, no don't,
1: don't even file like I guess do you have to file like what what would yes. that be? So you wouldn't be able to just like get married and then hop on a plane and just be like, no, nah, we're married. Here's the marriage certificate. We're married." I it's married it's, the US. it's a legal
2: process, no. Yeah, okay. Um okay. I, I you you would have to have a visa and like permission to enter the United States. I I can't just be married to like I, I, I feel like it's the same any, anywhere you go. Like even Yeah, I mean, I feel like, like that goes with any country. Um, yeah. let's say I get married to somebody who, who's from you know from the UK uh, you know just because I'm married doesn't mean you know I have permission to enter the UK right um, and I feel like it, visas and permission
1: I feel like it kind of goes without saying but I, I was just wondering how much you knew on the front end of that having that being one of the options that you'd have to realistically consider so so there's a legal process uh, you didn't have to initiate the legal process so I'm assuming that there's you know you you, you probably don't know the process in and out as well but even in in that scenario if you're you know if our hypothetical girlfriend for the situation came down from the right. states got married and you guys wanted to come back uh first of all it still wouldn't be a snap process it wouldn't be like you're married you're legal come back it's it's a it's an application process it's an approval process so there's a billion more hoops to jump through but on top of that um what was i going to ask with uh with that being said, even then, you'd still have to come back and complete – hit the unpause button on your probation and um, still have to deal with all of that as well. As, exactly. In, in the best-case scenario, I guess we'll say, as far as I understand
2: it to be. That, that is absolute best-case scenario. Um, the, the, the goal – yeah, the goal would be me, me being married. Uh, I, I guess to kind of put it on like some kind of timeline – Um, in order for like the pardon and me getting the visas, as far as me getting permission to in the United States, you're looking at about anywhere from like six months to like two years, depending on your lawyer, how fast your case gets pushed through and everything gets approved, probably about six to two years. Now, somebody that's not in my position, um, for instance, like my dad, who's, who's been there legally for about 18 years, He's had permission to work there, you know, for him to apply for his residency. He got it in like four to five months, uh, Mm. just because, you know, he's never even had so much as a speeding ticket. So everything was just kind of fast. Like, okay, you know, he's been here 18 years, like he's eligible to even be a citizen, but you know, because there's a process, he's going to be a permanent resident for so many years now. Uh, and then after that, you know, it's his citizenship path, which I think is a lot faster, uh, than somebody like, for instance, like my mom who was never in the States legally, um apply for a visa but because you know they they have her on record entering illegally um, no you we're not going to give you a visa um to visit to visit even Mm. now the process there is my sister who is a citizen who is uh a um an adult um who is of age i think you have to be like at least 21 can apply to have her mom or somebody in her family come back to the States. Now the process there is extremely lengthy. And the one that you hear about all the time, it's, it's about 20 plus years process. Mm. Um, Man. So, so my, my sister applied oh my God. a couple years back. Um, and so now it's just a waiting game yeah. for my mom to get approved. So, so thankfully everybody after me and my family is our citizens of the United States, except for me and my mom.
1: Okay. So now with the hypotheticals out of the way, what is the plan? What is what is where are you aiming to be in say ten years? What are, what are we trying to do now? Because I mean I know you have a GoFundMe, I know that you're still in contact with everybody in the U. S., but things are looking up in Mexico. You know you got some got some good things going, kind of coming and going with the
2: whole COVID situation. So what is your actual plan? Um, for now it's to save up that money. Um. The lawyer that I've talked to says that I have that I have a good case. I, I can fight the case. I wouldn't need to get married. Uh, it would just be, you know, because I've been there so long. Um, you know, I've worked there. I've been there my entire life. Um, I, I have like a couple connections that are willing to say like, yeah, you know, like we need him here for work. So uh, I would apply for a work visa. Um, long story short. Pay the lawyer to, to move my case uh, and start fighting my case um, drop the pardon, uh, and apply for, for the work visa to come back, um, in that time, uh, because it is something that I'm working on, um, get married. And if I can do it that way, I'll do it that way. But if not, um, you know, I, I can do it by myself. Uh, but I guess to answer your question, the goal is to take care of my situation. Um, I want, I want to go back, finish with probation because I had roughly about four months left on my probation Mm. and I'd have been done. Um, like I said, when I went to the courtroom, uh, we were, we were seeing if I could get off probation early because I was done with everything that I needed to do, um, get that monkey off my back, go back to work and just kind of take control of my life again. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the process that I need to take in order to do that, uh, I have two paths pretty much. Either I can do it by myself or I can get married, um, either way it needs to be done. Um, but in the meantime, you know if if i can't raise the money to that i need to pay for the lawyers and fight my case um i guess my backup plan would be the, you know the travel thing and um just kind of what you talked about just now you know like i'm starting to see life here in mexico kind of get adjusted wait out my time and you know after 10 years see maybe if i can do it that way
0: mm, yeah um before we finish i there was something that i really wanted to talk and hope you know, if you're not comfortable talking about it, that's fine. But um, I did want to ask about the cartel situation. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but overall in Mexico, I mean, of course, here in America, that is kind of a, there's a spotlight on the cartel situation and what's going on in Mexico um, and and the government and what's going yeah. on in Mexico. Um, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel are the governments there in mexico doing any better how is the fight for that situation going if Man, you have you an opening,
2: you're opening one big can. <laughs> that, that, really... okay so this is probably going to push us onto like some other topics uh, i was watching one of your po- uh, podcasts earlier um not earlier today but like uh i think a couple days ago the um the one where you guys were talking about psychedelics and stuff like that. Right. Um, so, wh- you know, when you talk about the cartel, uh, a bunch of different things go into that. Um, you have like your political side of it, you have the money side, and then the war on drugs. Um, now, with everything being so progressive in the United States, you know, us pushing to legalize, um, you know, like th- the big one right now, the the cash crop, marijuana. right? I, I don't know the ins and outs of that and the effect that it had here on Mexico, but I, I can't imagine it, it's good for the cartels right. because with marijuana being legalized in the United States, being taxed, and being uh, a controlled profit regulated, right? There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Being regulated in the United States, you know it. It's got to have some kind of effect on like. The illegal drug war.
0: That's going to take a lot of a lot of money out of their pocket.
2: Maybe maybe right now, you know, like your regular run of the mill drug dealers aren't feeling the effects, you know, because um, in, in your guys' particular area Texas, marijuana still isn't legal recreationally. Right. And so, you know, you still have that underground market where uh, the black market where pre- people are still, you know, selling and dealing and, and whatnot. Um, but in states like Colorado. Where you know it's regulated, um, it's controlled. Um, from what I've seen, you know the crime rate is going down, and the actual need for an underground market for marijuana is going away.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and so now the war, is specifically on those bad guys who are still you know trying to be like you know buy for me illegally because such and such, you know, it, it's much easier to hone in on that. And, you know, people don't want to take the risk, you know, like it's sketchy, you know, going to somebody that you right. don't know. Right. And, uh, you know, I'd rather just go to the shop where I can do it legally and, you know, I, I don't run the risk of, you know, anything. Yeah, so, and, good, yeah.
0: And usually, you know, where you're going to buy some marijuana from somebody illegally, usually they're involved in trafficking other harder drugs well and
1: it's my understanding that and I again i don't know the the laws from state to state but i i it's my understanding that at least in like colorado and like california maybe like oregon that you're even allowed to grow and sell uh small quantities like personally like you're you're just allowed to have right, right as long as it's not like i think it's uh, I'm, I'm not even gonna like try an entire operation yeah as long as it's as long as it's not a like an unregulated i mean it, it becomes more of like an adri- agricultural regulation than it does like a, like a narcotics right. regulation you see what i'm saying there, so less, there's
2: got to be some kind of like discrepancy there for like personal use versus like i'm you know I'm starting a business so right right,
1: and so I mean like and that's what I'm pretty sure that, and again I, I I would need to to refresh my my homework on this, but it's my understanding that you know. In those in those areas where it's recreationally legal that even like people are allowed to like grow i think it's like something like four plants or something like that uh, allowed to you know distribute on a small scale without a license um i could be completely wrong but um so with that being said all of that it, it really seems like it serves to undercut undermine the the any any kind of underground markets and i again it's my understanding that um a lot of the excess from these markets is turning into our black market. So instead of, you know, coming from over the border we're getting we're getting like home grown black market products but right. they're from they're from uh legal markets. So they're from legal regulated markets that is just, there's just so much excess that it's just like everybody's growing it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's selling it. There's so it's, it's like a it's like the opposite of the gold rush. Like people aren't aren't like going crazy looking for this finite, you know, good. They're 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 uh, there's just it's just everywhere. It's just blowing up, and and so we're seeing a lot of that in the non-legal states where we're not we're not getting like like Mexican bricks. We're getting like local, you know, bought from a state or two else um, and grown, then and grown, then you know yeah. just driven down or or however it is that they do it. Um, so it's just like it, it really seems like it's it's becoming less realistic to the red yeah it seems like it's becoming less like like excuse me not less realistic, but like the uh threat is being minimized by how you know by how heavily we're pushing regulation and, and legalization down here so so I mean, do
0: you think do you think if um if america and, or if the states if the united states end this war on drugs um there will be less of a problem with cartel in mexico
2: it, that that's the thing uh i think there will always be a war on drugs i don't necessarily see like there ever being an end because somebody somewhere down the line is going to find some kind of new formula for some new thing or whatever and then like moving through like generations uh you know people are gonna find entertainment doing god knows what i don't know like yeah whatever but um as far as like the immediate future um you know like marijuana being legalized i think it took a hit i don't think it like crippled um you know narco territory but i wouldn't because
0: because they have plenty of business there in mexico as well
2: uh where the big money is is it's, it's it's in cocaine yeah um just bottom line um maybe like a 10th of that would probably be like the marijuana product, but the the big money is, is cocaine. Right. So if, so we got, pro- so, like, so what ever, you're saying
0: is we got to legalize cocaine.
2: <laughs> if that, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Um, I, if, I said that. I don't think it's that if, outlandish if of an States, idea. <laughs> well, oh man. The, if the United States were to ever like regulate cocaine, that, that would cripple the market. Um, for Mexican cartels. Cocaine is legal here in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not know that. Huh? I did not know that. A federal judge ruled it legal uh, in Mexico City uh, probably about a year ago.
0: Yeah, well, I don't even think that if cocaine was legalized here in the States, I don't think there's gonna be a huge rush for everybody to go out and fucking have well, that's what I, that's cocaine it, all the it's time. It's still gonna
2: be a really taboo thing. Cause I'm personally,
0: know, but... I'm personally
1: not gonna go to the cocaine right, store. Right, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, just... not, uh, I'm not counting down the days to go go get my- uh... Yeah, like,
2: like I said, <laughs> it's still gonna be a really taboo thing. Like, it, w- one of the crazy things for me is, you know, growing up and like leaving college, um, you kind of just start to realize just, just how many people are doing cocaine. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it was mind-blowing. <laughs> just, just how, how like, I, I was I was so mind-blown, you know, that I've had friends for years or, or I've known certain people for years and, and people were just so, like, okay with doing cocaine. And right. so I was like, man, that I had been so sheltered and living in a bubble my entire life because I, I did not know this many people were doing cocaine. Now, um, my, my point being... Um. You, you know, what's going to be the next thing, you know, it, because e- even when it gets legalized, you know, cocaine is still one of those like really under the table type of thing, you know, like, hey, you know, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick right. type of things. Right. Um, so it, it, it's not like it's going to be like a booming market, but I mean, there is a market there. Well, uh, just, one like thing, there was, just like there was for marijuana.
1: Right. And one thing that's what I was about to say is as long as we're speculating, you know, if you look at how legalization impacted uh, the, the the, just the the explosion of of growth in research and development of of marijuana, you know, if you look at how many different forms we were able to create, how how. Uh, how much we were able to refine not only the process but the product that the process creates.
0: We learned how much we can even benefit from
1: the right. plant. So, so there, like we, not
0: even just the the bud, but the right. plant. In so it's
1: it it serves to it stands to reason that with legalization or regulation um to a certain degree, you know, even just decriminalizing it on the street and and allowing researchers and and like labs to to study it, you know, assuming that there's. Some kind of benefit beyond the recreational for for cocaine um you know i'm I'm, I'm using a lot of speculative liberty here but it's ser- it stands to reason that that whatever it is that we're getting out of it now uh once the process becomes refined and regulated that we could see you know uh, a much more user friendly version of it you know start to pop up and much, even- a, le- a less taboo a less stigmatized you know medium with which to deliver the the, the it, rush of cocaine you know you well, might see it, it in just it's it
2: just the bottom the bottom line with that is like when you're talking about any drug or just the war on drugs in general um, you look at countries like Holland you know like the Netherlands mm-hmm. who you know they Portugal, don't criminalize too. drug use uh, in fact they you know they offer rehabilitation centers for people who, you know, you don't want to do drugs anymore. We're we're going to come and help you, you know, like you walk into like any gas station or something, you know, they have test kits for all kinds, you know, they like the way they tackle their war on drugs is, is a completely different world from the way that the United States is is tackling it. I I think the main, the main points there are, you know, like people are going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, it's illegal, legal, regardless, people are going to want to do what they want to do. And you're never going to stop them, you know that that's their choice. We're all adults, and and we're able to form those coherent thoughts of like the actions that we take. And so, their mindset is, you know, what we're we're gonna protect, or we're gonna we're gonna help our citizens, uh, you know, because they're still gonna do it. But we want them to be safe, and, and you know, in, in case of any kind of emergency, we want them to know that, you know. We're here for them. We're we're gonna help them. You know, like t- test your drugs. Make sure you know what you're putting into your body because, as unsafe as it is, you know we don't. It, it's it's shady. I mean, something you know they could be putting. I don't know, uh, fentanyl, baking soda, vinegar. I I don't know the recipe, but something not good for your body. Or well, even a lot of, of reaction or whatever. So There's you a need lot to of what you're putting into your body.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of death here in the states with, uh, you know, doing cocaine and and drug dealers putting putting fentanyl. In, in the mix um, right which it, it's uh, very easy to overdose on
1: I saw a picture on the internet uh, when I was looking up uh, just like what the hell fentanyl is I saw a picture that like showed a, a, a lethal dose I think of, of heroin uh, compared to a lethal dose of fentanyl and the fentanyl there were three was, it was
2: heroin cocaine and fentanyl yeah
1: right It was and it was like a lethal dose like in a vial and the fentanyl was like it was like yeah the dust off of like like somebody just like it was it was in a dusty room and just went uh, and like caught yeah. a little vial like this with like three flecks of dust that's what it looked like and it's 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 scary dude because it's, that's it's, a legal drug that's a product of legal yeah uh legal pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals yeah. uh processes legal research well, legal, it's, see from it's my saying? understanding
2: it's used to like it's used to treat like uh heroin addiction and stuff like that well dude they got they got uh, addictive than heroin they got
1: fentanyl in 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 uh uh fucking like epidurals in uh whenever my wife had our first and second kid uh whenever we had our first kid and i'd never been inside of a delivery room before and uh they're like all right we're gonna start your epidural and then uh, they're like, you know, it's gonna make you feel like you had a few. What do they say? It's gonna make you feel like you had a couple of margaritas. And then they're like, you're gonna, you're gonna feel a little woozy, like you're swimming. Oh you know? god! And they were, they were just underselling this package so hard. <laughs> then they, they, there's a, there's a button that you can press, and you can only press it at a certain interval, so you don't like overdose you yourself. Get a little, but yeah, little it'll, shot. it'll dose you. So you press the button, dose you. Press the button, it'll dose you. Well. Like, three doses in, she's like... And mind you, this is like a few... This was like a... I want to say like an eight-hour labor. It was like... No, no, no. Our first time was like a 24-hour labor. It was a long labor, dude. Fun time. So it was like, yeah, we were there. We got there at like six or
2: seven... Your poor wife, dude.
1: No, we got there like... seven or eight in the morning and then we didn't Poor get we, we weren't done with the with the birthing process until like six or seven the next morning. But anyway, uh, so so they're they're uh, setting her up, they got her, you know, jacked up to the machines and um, I I was she was just like Isaiah What? What is this? <laughs> and I'm <was> just like <laughs> Whoa. it's it's your it's your epidural, it's your you know it's your meds. Doped it's, up. it's your medicine, you know? Oh, and then I man. go and I look at the thing and I'm like, what is in here? And so I'm reading the label, reading the label, the first big – like, well, excuse me. It wasn't big. It stood out to me, but it was very right. tiny, fine print. It was just like fentanyl. And I was like, huh? Huh? Right. <laughs> like you're, I had to double take you're that, You're doing bro. what to my
0: wife you know, that that's pregnant like, with my kid? I was like,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa doctor uh, nurse you know, yeah, y'all sir. got y'all got like the stuff that's killing everybody lethal, in here lethal like, drug and but then I, it took me a second i kind of calmed down for a second. like they like, know what this they're is, doing this is a hospital they they know how to dose it they know how to dilute right. it you know but and when i first saw that dude it was like all of the red flags i was like isn't that the, the stuff that killed like five celebrities exactly. this year you know what i mean like right. so yeah. it's like it's like it's super scary to see not only you know it's obviously cool to see the kind of potential that that uh well, legalizing and regulating it's uh, like this uh, thing beneficial
0: I, drugs i heard one guy saying like there are no bad drugs mm-hmm. like because even fentanyl there's a great use for it mm-hmm. even cocaine there there can be benefits there can I do be not no medicinal off the top benefits.
2: of my head what the medicinal
1: it, uh, benefits. basically well, thank, the same thing
2: that fentanyl is doing like cocaine was used to like, like numb pain like like lidocaine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: like yeah. lidocaine yeah. has the same properties and so uh doctors used to use cocaine you know 100 years ago like in the 1900s, early 1900s, doctors. Used, like that. I know
2: it was like for pain.
0: Yeah, you know, cocaine to numb pains. Uh, like even in the mouth, you know, you can put some if yeah. you have a tooth pain, it it'll numb it. Uh, exactly. so there are, there are positive. Like, there's no bad drugs. It's just the way that we, uh, use them and the way that we abuse them.
1: Right, and that's what I was gonna say. Is it really sheds some light on? You know, we we have a great example with marijuana on the. Uh, you know not only medicinal but also recreational uh, variety that we can deliver it you know but it kind of really sobers you up when you see things like like opiates used and concentrated you know we thought oxycontin was bad we thought that that was going to be like the tippy top and then fentanyl comes out you know so it's just like we keep refining and developing and refining and developing and refining and developing Um, but the only way that we're able to do that is if we have the legal wiggle room to allow researchers to, to research and we allow doctors to review it and we allow scientists to, you know, do, do their, their science, you know? And, and you
2: have, you have a really good point to that when you, when you, when you say like, we're with marijuana, like the possibility or yeah, the possibilities are limitless, like Look in, in the last couple of years, the marijuana has been recreationally legal in certain states. Like you have stuff for like you know medicinal purposes, you know for pain uh, or or whatever funky like defects you have in your body, like marijuana can help, right? Because if you know the way that they're like manipulating the drug into doing specifically what what it needs to do, you know for like cataracts or for glaucoma or for people who like you know have glucose allergies or arthritis and pain, you know. You take this this and this because we've done this to the marijuana in order to help you you know like it stimulates this function to help you with whatever it is that you got going on for insomnia you know okay yeah we have this kind of strain or this uh, you know we have these edibles or uh, you know if you don't like that then we have these kind of like oils and creams and stuff. Mm-hmm. you know like the the possibilities were li- the sky was the limit for what we were gonna be able to do with marijuana but we weren't able to like see that way back in the day because you know it was illegal and and no absolutely not you know and then we started research and we started funding these things and we started regulating it and we found out all these possibilities that we were able to like you know from from marijuana you know like a couple years ago people would be like are you crazy like um uh a a marijuana cream that's going to help with my arthritis like you're crazy talk
0: yeah 20 years ago that was not even a
2: Yeah, Uh, not even
1: a a thought. Right, so moving
2: on from, like, from marijuana, like, uh, I'm sure, you know, there's all these leaps and bounds and all these, like, amazing discoveries to be had with other drugs, you know? Like, when you talk about, like, stimulants or you're talking about, you know, narcotics and never mind psychedelics, you know? Um, That uh, that one I don't particularly agree with, but, you know, teach their own. Um, So... When I when earlier when I was mentioning you know like countries like Holland who have like a different approach to the to their war on drugs you know the United States, instead of like helping people, we criminalize it and and we keep the cycle going, man.
0: We keep the cycle going. Yeah,
2: I think the entire approach that we have on the war on drugs is is just awful. You know, very easily we could uh, you know we could be this like utopian society that like you know instead of like incarcerating people and like. Deeming it awful, stigmatizing. You know, we can take it. a page out of like Holland's book and you know start these like rehabilitation clinics. And I I, I don't you know like. Well, it sounds like if if we did want to end this war on drugs and and these war with these cartels, I think we're going backwards instead of yeah forward.
1: yeah. And and that's the that's the kind of where where I was thinking too because like in 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 this realm of speculation while we're while we're wondering what would be. Um, I think that it sounds on the face of the issue, like we, uh, stop slapping full grown adults on the hands for, for, you know, whatever substances what they do. they're choosing right. to explore. Right? right. I mean, we're all adults, like it's the same way we can go buy a beer, same way we can go buy a cigarette, same way we can, you know, choose whether or not to take the prescription the doctor gives us. Like we're, we're, exactly. adults. We're, we're, we're capable yeah. of making, you know, of, of, of. We're capable of, of like not a, abusing, uh, the system, right? The it's, the comedian. We know, uh, we know what we're doing. But Bill, so, Bill
0: Hicks said, "It's not a war on drugs; it's a war on personal freedom."
1: Right. Exactly. That's and that's, and I and I honestly completely agree with that because if we look at if we look at it realistically, we legalize and regulate. We make you have to have like a license, or you have to have certain you know approval to, to study and research and develop these materials, just like we have with chemicals, just like we have with certain agricultural products. Just like we have with like, you know, like oil and gas, like it's not just anybody who can just start using these materials and start working with them and researching and developing, right? We regulate the process, we pull it out of the black market, we you know, dust it off, get a better, more fundamental understanding of, of the scientific and medical and recreational applications, right? And then by removing the, the black market side of it. I you I can only imagine that we have to see a like a precipitous drop in crime, like right? A, 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 like super, and not even necessarily quote crime because people are still going to be using, people are still going to be buying, people are still going to be selling, but it's no longer crime. And then we see this massive proportion of incarcerated individuals and of you know everything from minor tickets to major felonies just disappear from the legal system. We get we get, uh, you know people who get to we, we focus on rehabilitation, not incarceration. Right. Then we have a functioning member of society who can contribute. Right. After they learn their lesson, you know, whatever it may be. And I mean, at the end of the day, and people are like, allowed to be alcoholics. People and so are like, allowed to smoke themselves right. to cancer,
0: like, and I, the, the, uh, the prison systems, you know, they're afraid of Losing all that money, especially yes, like the private sector. System. But <laughs> I mean, it's it business,
2: incentivizes it's business, crime. It says, "Don't do crime." They're, they're all privately owned. But like yeah. you're saying,
0: like you're saying, if, if instead of incarceration, we focus on rehabilitation, like there's money in that. So instead of putting all your money into incarcerating people, let's put all our money into re- rehabilitating people, so that they can go like be
1: productive members of society mm-hmm. if they choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it sounds like we're all on the same page with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> Legalize all drugs. Uh, see, I mean,
2: it's tough to talk about that because, like, I, I mean, obviously all three of us are in agreement to, to stuff like that, right? But we also have to, like, take a step back and look at the counter arguments to that, okay? it in, in, in a perfect world, you know, ev- yeah, everybody goes and gets to rehab, and yeah, you know, like... <laughs> everything is hopefully
1: know, nobody needs rehab that's the ideal world
2: see okay but we might have to just use the front one. yeah be, because the actions of of the few you know like the outliers that you know the rebels the ones that don't want to like comply and the ones that you know, the people they, who would they, be
1: doing crime and breaking rules and hurting themselves anyway yeah
2: are hurting the rest of the population and you know you kind of really have to hone in on that because you know because jimmy went and and was like high on heroin and and killed 30 people you know it's heroin's fault
1: but what about all the sober people that have also killed people and the the you see what i'm saying like Like
2: one bad apple spoils the bunch man yeah
1: i mean i i I see i see the 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 potential for the argument there but i feel like everything for that argument also works against it you know
2: but it goes much deeper than that man like um you got to think about like all the corruption that's going to go into like you know these like making everything legal and then like
1: (sighs) when you say corruption do you mean like like insider trading and like monopolies or are you talking about like still referring back to the black market and, and like it's a lot, beating man. people it's up a, in the it's back a, alley. It's a,
2: when, when, I told, uh, when I told Jesse, you know, you're opening a really big can of worms. Like, <laughs> there's, there's a lot that goes into, you know, like it's political money. You're talking about pharmaceuticals, you know, you're talking about like people making products, you know, the like at the end of the day, you can trace all of it, all of it, politics, drugs, um, Rehab center, all of it, like, you can tra- trace it right back to the one root of evil, money. Mm-hmm. And that makes everything go round. It's all about money. It's all about profit. It's all about, you know, like, currency. So, you know, like, we sit here and talk about people doing drugs. Well, you know, like, why do people want to provide somebody else with drugs? They want money, okay? Why do people want to put people in rehab centers or jail or, or, you know, incarcerate them or give them, you know, fines and fees? Money. Mm-hmm. And... You know, being in a society that revolves strictly around money, we're, we're never going to progress. And, and I don't see there ever being in, into this war on drugs because, especially know, money, we all got to live. Especially
0: when they're putting uh, money, you know, they're placing more value on money than the human, than, than people.
1: Well, I think it's important to define what we're talking about as success because on paper... The success is off the charts. The money is being made, but when we what we're talking about is quality of life. We're talking about quality of society. We're talking about you know how much we're putting back in to the to the systems and the the environments that we're taking from. But when you look on paper and you look at you know how successful we are business wise, how uh, how much growth and innov- innovation is occurring in like technological sectors and how much uh you know medicine and science and all of that is still going it's being funded it's being paid for it's being pushed we're 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 breaking records we're reaching milestones but at the same time the lowest the 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 bottom you know I'll I'll go as far as to say like the bottom 50% uh wealth wise of the population of the earth is not in a super great super sustainable position to flourish to thrive they're in a great position to continue to support the systems that are pulling way more out than they're putting back in but mm-hmm. that's not in my opinion a sustainable system event you know these, these these resources are finite the 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 people are you know their patience is finite like it's it's just there's a direction that we're all moving towards if we continue to prioritize the almighty dollar over the the individual that's helping produce that the labor that's producing that the the people the cultures and societies that on you know on this side while we're enjoying that awesome iphone in our pocket you know the 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 literal like slave labor and and suicidal conditions that are, are occurring simultaneously across the world to to bring that to, to you know I me mean? you're all right, right yeah so i mean but it's, it's like you said man that's that's bigger can of worms for maybe a bigger day bigger episode but for sure
0: i think uh we we do have to kind of wrap this up but uh definitely want to talk to you again you know um
2: absolutely man i mean i until until i I head out to like cancun and stuff you guys have me 24 7 so i i I do like um hearing you guys like opinions on like um like like i mentioned the other episode that you guys had um with the psychedelics and stuff like that because i got plenty of opinions on right politics drugs and all that but
0: well, even <laughs> even just even just apart from uh telling your story being ra- raised in America and deported to Mexico apart from that you're you're a very interesting a very smart guy and and you do have some great opinions and even you know further on down the road having you back on and and just you know exploring ideas like that that w- that would be amazing
1: one thing I wanted to do before we go is, you know, obviously you are not a particularly unique case for um, people who are illegally occupying, you know. Illegally that is so residing refreshing in- to hear.
2: I just want you to know that that is so refreshing to hear because I, I, I when I first got here, I felt really, really alone and like isolated um, uh, until I, I met a friend who's actually from Dallas, too, um, hmm. who is in a similar situation. He's like, dude, you're, you're not alone. Like, you, you're not a particular case. This happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's me, what I was you know, going like, to say is, is just what,
1: what would you say to somebody who's either about to, to, who knows that this is on the horizon or who maybe is already being deported or who maybe just arrived? What would you, what would you say to somebody who's in a situation like yours?
2: Uh, I'm glad you bring that up. Uh, I mentioned in the last episode that I had somebody literally that day who reached out to me, who was who's on the verge of getting deported, he has court, I think this month um, for his removal. Cause he got a DWI or something. Um, I, I try to be as, you know, as receiving as, I, uh, as, as um, I was, I try to be as, uh, as receiving and as welcoming um, as I was received and welcome. When I, when I first got here, you know, like when you're here, you're home and mm-hmm. you know, we're going to take care of you because it, it's, it's scary, man. Um, I understand that, there's life beyond the border, uh, and just because you know you see in the media that like you know corruption, cartels, and, and you know all the bad stuff that you see on media, there, there's so much more to Mexico than than just you know the bad stuff. Um, my my big thing is you know I, I try to kind of lift their spirits and and let them know like hey you know like don't stop fighting for your life, don't give up, and like it's okay to be sad, but. Uh, and you know, I sound like a really big hypocrite when I tell people, you know, not to be depressed and stuff because there is life after, after you're deported. Um, but it it was a process for me to learn. Um, and from now to forever, you know, if I ever encounter it, I'll, I'll try to do my best to lift everybody's spirits because, um, it's not the end of the world, and there, there are so many things that you can do, and you just you, you cannot give up and stop fighting for your life, because if, it, if your life really is in the United States, and, and you are American, um, well, I mean, you're American here, but you are from the United States, um, and your life is there, you, you can't give up, and, and you definitely can't conform to what a government is telling you, you know, you're not American, which is not true. I mean, you, I, I was glued to that TV every Sunday watching my Broncos play. You, mm-hmm. you can't tell, I mean, you can't tell me I'm not American.
1: Right, right. So...
2: Um, I, I try to be as helpful and as resourceful as possible. Like, Hey, this is where you need to go to get your IDs. This is what you need to do. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk to lawyers, this is what I recommend. Um, I'm never going to steer anybody down uh, a wrong path, but, uh, I let them know like, Hey, minimum, you have a friend here who's been through it. I know what you're going through. You know, I know where your head's at. Um, and, and you're not alone because it happens a lot. So, uh, I just, I try to reach out and try to be a friend to anybody that it happens to, because um, you know, that's something that I really needed and not that I didn't have it, but I guess I'm trying to project out what, what I needed at that time, because mm-hmm. I know where my head's at. So, um, I just try to be as understanding as possible and try to help the next person because that's what it's all about, man. Right like now. pushing forward. And, you know, if you, if you see somebody struggling with something that you went through, um, you kind of have a soft spot for that person. So you want to help as much as you can.
0: Absolutely. That's beautiful, so ke- man.
1: So keep your head up. Don't wear flashy clothes. Take your earrings out. And
2: as far as as far as getting to the to the border, uh, there's very few that you can. They're going to know that you're not from there. Yeah. Like, they're they're going to know. Um, but try, just try to keep to yourself. Be cool. Uh, I, I, my, my heart goes out to the people that don't have anybody you know in, in Mexico. You know what I mean? Like my friend who reached out to me the other day, he's like, all my family is here to, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, if I get to board, I don't have anybody there, you know? So I'm seeing if maybe I can, you know, meet him at the border or something, because I kind of know how it goes, but you know, I might be there for him or something. Um, or I might know a friend in that area that could probably help him out or something. But you know, my heart goes out to those people who don't, you know, they don't know Spanish, um, Isaiah, no <laughs> people that, um, uh, they don't know anybody in Mexico. They've never even set foot here, you know, and, you know, they're, they're being told you're, you're not, you're not from here. You need to go, you need to go back to your country. Yeah. What do you, this is my country. What do you mean? You know? So yeah. that's horrifying and like scary to think about, you know? Mm. Absolutely. So like, imagine one of you guys, you know, being like, being deported to like, I, I don't know somewhere in africa the congos or something like <laughs>
0: yeah uh, or just anywhere um, like yeah anywhere in the world or any third
1: world country what am, what am
2: just, i gonna do you know i don't know the region i don't know the language I, what yeah, am i gonna do
1: even french you know? canada shit yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah. it, it's scary to think about
2: man
0: yeah it was uh it was good having you again man um we're For gonna sure. we're gonna do what we can to uh you know keep putting out your go Fund me I would would love to, uh, you know, do the best I can to get you some support in that sense and, uh, you know, see if we can get a community together to help. You know, I was thinking even, you know, if we can get people to, you know, throw you five bucks once a week, you know, um, or even if I can do it, that's, you know, that's something that I'm willing to do uh, to help you in that situation.
2: I would appreciate that, man, Uh, especially right now. Um, But like we like we mentioned earlier man uh i think things are looking up for me uh and first and foremost i got to do it for myself because I, i'm a man in my own right and right. If i don't do it for myself nobody else is gonna do it right so pl- please don't think that like I, i'm just like defeated and life has completely beat me up because no. I, i'm a fighter man. so yeah. if i i would also like to extend to you guys you know if you if you guys have a passport and you're ever i, I know you've been but you know now that uh, I i will be out there and stuff you guys can Come visit or whatever and I'll show you around just so you can guys can get like a better understanding of like what my reality actually is mm-hmm, um, I know, sure. you know a little bit because I, I know you were in Cancun not too long ago. Yeah um, There's a the
1: first first thing you see when you go when you get off the get out of the airport in Cancun you, you drive up to the like main main shopping area or whatever. It's like a cruise line that right. hops off there first thing you see is a big old sign that says this is the fun side of Trump's wall and I was just like, ah!
2: That's awesome. It, That's I mean, Mex- don't get me wrong, but Mexico has its has its perks, and it, and, it, and it's great. It's 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 not a completely different. Like you're still in America, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there there's a lot of similarities. It's just we have a slightly different way of doing things here. Yeah. So yeah. For the the biggest and probably the most like noticeable difference here is that like in in the states. When you go to a restaurant there's like you know there's rules about like over serving you and, and you know, stuff like that. Like a, here they will literally drink you under the table they will do they, that they, they will, they will bring that. them and bring them and bring them until you drop yeah. so oh my god and then they ask you if you want to see the gift shop hey like, yeah, there there, oh, thing it's like drinking rules here when you're drinking so yeah but awesome. thanks I again man uh, i super appreciate it i appreciate it. you guys having me on man yeah uh, it was a lot of fun and I, I look forward to hearing from you guys again because i'd love to come back
1: yeah for
0: sure man we appreciate it and i'll take you up on that offer whenever i'd make it down to mexico a- absolutely oh, yeah bro. we'll make a we'll we make, make a,
1: group have, trip. We have a home here bro appreciate make a group it man. trip take a big old selfie you yeah, have a good one dude. <laughs> take it easy brother